The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. Tonight's song is... Okay, so, uh, Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. Today we are covering Dice Man, which was released on Dragnet on October 26, 1979. And today we have a guest who is James Toth. James, you want to uh, kind of introduce yourself and tell us why you picked this song? Hi, I'm James. Uh, <laughs> I'm a musician, writer, uh, layabout. And uh, I um, I chose this song for quite a few reasons, actually. Um, I mean, I'm a longtime Fall fan. Um, I, get it, I don't know how much background you want on my, like, fandom, but uh, I get into the fall and summer of 95. Uh, I had a friend uh, named Paul Bruno. Uh, at the time, I was, like, a metal kid. I was really into hip-hop. I was really into, like, screamo, hardcore punk. And he was the dude that was, like, Mission of Burma, you know, um, Dead Sea, all those bands, and and um, you know Gang of Four, and uh, and The Fall was one of those bands. And the first song I heard was My New House, which um, in, by fall standards is almost like a pop. It's like the Turtles compared to you know No <laughs> Christmas for John Caves or or Stop Mithering or something. But I was just I loved it it so much. I just thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever heard, and I feel like a lot of people have that experience with The Fall. You know, um, so anyway, so I was I went to college the next year and um, I was lucky enough to be close enough to New York City, uh, Kim's Underground on St. Mark's Place and other music and various other places. So every time I went, I would buy a new fall CD, whatever. Ah. They had. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was Slates and Grotesque and Dragnet, you know, like I think when you get into a band, you start out with the early stuff sometimes, uh, which is like, you know common wisdom is like start with the earliest and not in all cases obviously but so um dice man though i was just thinking i mean it's i don't i can't say it's like my all-time favorite fall song but Hiram, you sent me a list of what had already been covered and i checked out some other episodes <laughs> like wow like all all my first choices i was like you know um wings wings was a big one for me uh middle mass uh even bonkers in phoenix i think somebody i thought that would be a weird thing to want to talk about but uh, maybe you didn't do that one but but, no, no, we haven't yet. But you know, that would be a good one. But uh, but Dice Man for me is like it. It kind of um, encompasses to me a lot of of what makes the fall the fall. Um, the the lyrics are great. I mean, it has a Bo Diddley beat. You know, yeah. it's just got the. It's like it's got that rock and roll. Because I mean, I think Marky Smith was very, um, very much a fan of of rock and roll. You think this sort of sardonic, sarcastic guy with a chip on his shoulder wouldn't be such an effusive fan? And what I always loved about him is like everything from like obviously Damo Suzuki and the covers he would do cover songs like he was a big like pop music fan, you know, right, and right. just I always really liked that about him. Um, so Dice Man, I just feel like it, it really does in a very short time. It kind of puts a lot of the fall stuff together, like a lot of the what makes the fall the fall. So while I can't say it's like my all time favorite, it would be a good introduction to the fall. I think that all makes complete sense, actually. Uh, yeah, de definitely. This does. This is definitely the Bo Diddley beat, and uh, yeah, the folk. You mentioned the covers, and I would say just like sometimes they would go a little bit out with, uh, say, 
you know, a prog band cover or something like. Right. Uh, yeah. But it would be kind of the poppier version of the prog band, you know, right. that they were covering. So I thought, yeah, it's always pretty interesting to, and also just like whenever they were doing their country songs, like the country in Northern is what they've, what he would call it. Uh, yeah. I always thought that was pretty interesting because they're, because, you know, they're like truck driver songs and stuff like right. that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like crap that talks yeah. back. Yeah. It's like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. oh, no. I was, I, I don't even know what I was going to say. So go ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that's one of the things I really related to about the fall, too, is that you had this sort of like working class person who was obviously very like erudite, you know, and, and, and was like, he would reference Philip K. Dick and, and reference like, you know, uh, um, Matchin and, and all the, and Lovecraft obviously. And, but he was still the kind of guy that would like give you a black guy at the bar, you know, <laughs> you didn't want to mess with him. And there's, yeah. there weren't, there's not even like, especially now, I don't, I can't think of any, anyone in pop music who's like, maybe, maybe there's some rappers like that, but um, for me, the only other guy who was like that when I was growing up was like Westerberg, you know, like Westerberg, oh, yeah. like another like working class person who had like literary aspirations, um, but didn't come from much. And he had a chip on his shoulder. And as a as a guy from Staten Island, New York, I related to that, you know, sure, I yeah. relate to that like pugnacious kind of approach to the rest of the world. And Marky Smith to me was was the distillation of that. You know? I think he, he kind of shares that with uh, Shane McGowan of the Pose too. Oh yeah, like they, good call. He grew up with, with next to nothing, and you know, uh, became almost like close enough to the poet laureate of, of Ireland as he can get without actually being a poet. And yeah, yeah, that's but a great, that's a great example. To the table and take a swing at you if you look at the girl wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's another great example. And the fact that they were friends to me is makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, like, um, Dice Man also, like, I read the book, um, the Dice Man book. Oh. Wrote the, um, uh, Luke, Luke Reinhardt. I think it's a pseudonym, though. Yeah, the guy's actual name is George Cockcroft, which is yeah. actually kind of an unfortunate mm-hmm. name. So maybe that's that what a, he... Uh, Luke Reinhardt. <laughs> yeah. Like, Luke the, I don't know. <laughs> the fall definitely, like, led led me to that. And um, I, don't, I don't know if the, the, the... I think the, you know, maybe... Time has dulled the impact of that book because the way I I understood it was like this is the most transgressive piece of literature you know and it it, it predates American Psycho and it predates a lot of like I mean I got Dennis Cooper like there's there's a lot of stuff you could read that's that's pretty pretty transgressive and pretty yeah. shocking and I guess I didn't find Dice Man that shocking but but it's an interesting book but um my point was just that like the fall managed to like lead me to read an entire novel i mean there's not a lot of bands um you know i was saying like i got into the fall freshman year of college was like my the height of my fandom and i was also taking classes on james joyce and uh, i also saw a lot of parallels between um like you know you needed an annotated like we were reading ulysses and the annotated ulysses was almost as thick as, right. as the novel itself and so and you know not being irish and stuff there's all these codes to crack and things that like you really do have to like reference and the fall were that for me for sure yeah. um and then when you add the fact that i'm american it's another layer so he's making like literary references and references to football you know which right. we call football you know like and, <laughs> and and then there was like things like in my new house when he's like uh, according to the postman it's like the bleeding bank of england 
And to me, I remember thinking that was like the American idiom, like, oh, it's like Grand Central Station in here today. It's really busy. But then I came to find later it's talking about like getting a lot of mail. So just little things like that were like really cool little Easter eggs. And I, I would just read the lyrics and print them out back when you had to go to the computer lab at school to right. hours, you know, like you didn't have it at home. And I was like printing these reams of fall lyrics and just getting <laughs> really obsessed. I, uh, um, I, I'm the same way with fall lyrics. And I don't know that I ever knew like 75% of what the hell he was saying. And I've said this many times uh, until the annotated fall came out. Like, and yeah. then I was like, Oh yeah. Cause I never had like the lyric books or anything like that. Right. So it was just always like, plus I'm really bad at like, making up words that I think I hear, I think in, sure. in, in songs anyway. So it becomes even worse whenever somebody is discussing something else in an English, Northern English accent. Like I'm just right. like, no idea what the hell he's talking about. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he so, would appreciate that though. That's sort of like Burroughs kind of, you know, the, the sort of subconscious, like what your mind is going for. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's, it's a golden age now for fall literature too. Like there's the slang. Uh, yeah. Thing. And there's so many books. Um, I've read about half of the ones that I, there's a few that I'm missing. Um, but what's the hardcover one? I have it back here if I can't remember the title, but um, it's a pretty, it's a, it's an edited collection. It's a really great one. Hardcover. Is that the one that's excavate? Like yes, with, excavate. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. an amazing, that's an amazing book. Um, yeah. I was actually thumbing through. Well, I can't thumb cause I have the ebook version cause it was right. like a doorstop. I was just like, I have too many books. So, um, uh, but yeah, that's a great book. There's one called, um, you must get them all. I think Is that I don't, one? yeah, I don't have that one. I, I have my eye on that one. And also, um, the one that, uh, not Craig, does Craig Scanlon write it? Did Craig Scanlon wrote one? Oh yeah. The big midweek. That one's, midweek. that one's really good. You should get that one. Like, uh, I'm going to definitely get, yeah, they're on the list for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it was, uh, Sorry, the name's escaping me. Bob, who's the bass player and the drummer? They were brothers. <laughs> oh, Paul and Steve Hanley? Yeah, yeah. Hanley they both wrote, Steve Hanley wrote Big Midweek, and then Paul has written uh, Have a Bleeding Guess, which was about the recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, One album in particular, right? It was... Yeah, um, it's it on Hex. So, Hex and Nocturne Hour, right. Yeah. So, yeah, they're both, they're both really good books. Uh, and sorry, do you must get them all is by a guy who uh, is a former guest. And now I can't remember his name either, but oh, well, sorry. Um, so tell me, uh, James, about the, the book, The Dice Man. I mean, it, it, it was it is, it is the plot as simple as they as I've read it is? It's this guy sort of determining the decisions he makes in life for the role of the dice. Is that, and, and where does yeah. that lead him? Um, it leads him to total destruction and debauchery. It starts out very simple. It's like he's cheating on his wife, as I recall. It's been a few years since I read it. And he's it's it's something as, as sort of mundane as like, should I go over there tonight? I'll roll a dice and decide. And then it, it gets into like, you know, where there's violence. I believe there's a murder where he just takes it to the extreme. And it's it's um I don't know if it's it's sort of a comment on things like astrology or numerology or like leaving things to to chance. Um, right. But it's pretty fascinating. It's written as if it's if it's an autobiography. It's like written as nonfiction, even though it's it's a fictional book. Oh. Um, so it adds another layer of kind of it's a, a little shocking to read this because he's a successful person. You know, he has like a family, he has a son and his son mm. gets involved with it, too. I think his son finds out about the dice at some point. Like I said, it's been a few years. 
it's it's a good beach read you know i don't i, I can't say it's like it's a read it before you die kind of book but it's uh i enjoyed well, it i uh i actually started it last week because you could because they have like the ebook at our library um but i didn't get very far before i was busy doing something else but i, I will say like it reminded me a lot of the books that came out around the same time which was 71 so like late 60s early 70s sure. so like candy or you know just like it seemed like a book i would have probably enjoyed a lot more if i was 20 and reading it rather than exactly yeah like like some am holmes book or something like or a short story or something like that you know what i mean like right. so a right of but, passage book yeah 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 exactly but you yeah. know but i did really enjoy the fact that um nobody was sure whether or not the author actually did these things and it was like a nonfiction book <laughs> right for quite a while apparently there's a good article really? from the guardian from like 99 or 2000 links uh on the annotated falls site uh oh, that's cool. pretty good yeah and i read that yesterday i was like oh okay that makes more sense so the so george uh slash luke was actually like a english teacher for years yeah and, I, I read he was like married faithfully married to his yeah, wife yeah yeah but they but they do they do talk about how somebody in like a gonzo journalist in england did the dice game for like a month and completely ruined his life like yeah yes you know like lost his yeah. wife job everything <laughs> like within a month and it was just like Holy shit. Okay. Well, good yeah. for you, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, it's, yeah. it's kind of the, the book has created some amazing stories at least like, yeah. Uh, so yeah. so I, I thought that was pretty cool about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked that it. it struck Marky Smith enough to write a, a song about it. I mean, the, the song touches on it. It, it doesn't go into spe specifics about it. Um, right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think I remember being disappointed reading there was like a sequel, like there was like Return of the Dice Man and then his son wrote one. I just feel like, oh, this is what? Now it's like a Netflix series, you know? <laughs> I kind of liked it more when it was just this, this lone thing that was discovered, like, wow, this is this is messed up, you know? Right. Uh, but, and, um, it sounds, and it sounds in the lyrics like he's using that as a jumping off point to sort of comment on the music industry that he was right. a part of at that point. Even early on in the music industry, he realized like, are these idiots like making these decisions just absolutely randomly like this? And then I think he threw his bandmates under the bus, I think, in something. Right? I think it was on the annotated fall. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He dedicated it to like the f for former fall members or something. Yeah, to, it uh, says petty materialism. Yeah, yeah. so I looked it up and there, there's three of them for, between the two albums. It's Martin, Brahma, Carl Burns, and Yvonne Paulette. So those are the three people who weren't on Dragnet, who Dragnet. were on, yeah, live at the witch trials. So, so obviously they pissed him off somehow. Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing Martin was probably the big one because he and uh, was it both? Was it? It might have been both. Yvonne and Uma Baines uh, went on to do Blue Orchids. Is that right? And then they released. I think that's it. And then they released an album in around yeah. that time. I always so, confuse them with Adult Net for obvious reasons because Bruce. <laughs> yeah. I always think like the, the you know the the post fall band that yeah had, yeah that uh, makes sense so uh so yeah there you go I thought that was pretty funny yeah uh, um that's good background and 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 I, I love that you know the, almost apropos of nothing like the they say music should be fun like reading a story of love 
but I want to read a horror story. Like I feel like that's that's a that's an unguarded moment for Mark. I mean, like it's it's a cool thing to say, but but it's uh, knowing his Lovecraft fixation stuff. Like the fact that like I want to hear a horror story. Like to me, that's a very vulnerable and unguarded Marky Smith moment. Mm. You know, this guy who's just spitting all these like quips and barbs and you know uh the five wacky proletarian english idiots you know and this guy who's like should we hear a horror story i don't know there's something really adorable <laughs> somehow can't put my finger on it but no that makes sense i i like that uh i like those three lines a lot and and we we've kind of covered some of his horror story songs yeah um as well as some of the uh authors that he has like written about um sorry uh male person's here for some reason uh so um uh so yeah this this was another one that i hadn't that we hadn't covered yet so uh it's another interesting you know sort of i don't literary uh aspect of of mark uh that was pretty nice but yeah i definitely like the the line but i want to read a horror story just yeah it's kind of how i feel half the time about yeah. especially love story songs and movies and whatever it's just like well, and like bob was saying like i think it's interesting that that early on it's their second record right like at that early on yeah. he was already so like over it and so cynical about the record industry and seeing what was happening you know what's the line about the moralists only in the front rooms like i don't have the exact quote um talking um, about the bands are like they're just simple more Small yeah, do all these musicians have a social conscience? Well, only in their front rooms. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's such a that's such a great sort of like that throwing shade at some unnamed, unknowable band, but might maybe the clash. Who knows who he was on yeah, about? <laughs> or as Hiram was saying, I mean, there like there was such a turnover between Live of the Witch Trials and this record, and that's over the span of like five or six months that they recorded. Yeah. <laughs> they did like, I think they did drag, uh, Live of the Wish House in like March of 79. They recorded this, this one Dragnet in like October of 79. So yeah. it's like, yeah. that's, that's such a small amount of time to, con- to like have an entire band just disappear and then just rebuild it again from scratch. Yeah. And still make a fucking great record too, which is, you know, yeah. on your marquee. Yeah, and then that would set the tone for the rest of the fall's history. Like the, yeah. you know, don't get used to anybody on stage, you know? <laughs> Well, I'd also say like it's pretty interesting to what you were talking about in the beginning is just like it's such a a, a sort of I mean when you hear the music you're like oh that's a fifty song you know like the, totally. you, it's obviously right. the Bo Diddley beat but what he's talking about is moving past all of this and that's another thing with uh, the fall that I always find interesting like we said basically um, the music's never. Uh, I mean, you know, most fall songs, even in their greatest period, are two parts played over and over again, and then right. he, him ranting. They never do a ton of stuff like to make the actual music all that strange, all that you know. They're not a prog band, I will totally. say. Totally. Uh, right. So, or or jazz band, or whatever, or classically trained musicians, or whatever. Yeah. So it's always within the words that he is ranting against uh using i don't know like being regressive basically in in a sort of way whereas the music is kind of regressive i mean then that could just be because it probably is because they were all 
just starting out as musicians. Like he yeah. didn't, he didn't like musicians, you know, as he <laughs> mentions in this song, at least a few times, you yeah. know, um, I, I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic point too. It's something I never really thought about is the cognitive dissonance between the simplicity of what the fall does. I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, I mean, it's a, it's a very physical music. My friend George Reyes, who's probably as big a fall fan as anybody, had a great quote one time. We were talking about the fall, and he was like, there's not any fall record that you can't dance to. I thought right. that was so cool. I thought that yeah. was such cool, because you think of them as this sort of, like, you know, pugilistic, like, brash, like, difficult band. But really, it's like, if you get down to it, it's like James Brown to lung fish or something it's just the groove and like and like um that motorique thing obviously yeah. into can uh but yeah it's it's not like i mean I don't, i'm trying to think of a word that's not a pejorative i don't want to say like <laughs> simple or rudimentary but it is like you're right it's it's basic rock and roll like, like yeah. four, four i mean there's no fall song in a weird time signature as far as i know it's all four four <laughs> yeah for the most part yeah, they may, they may have stuck a little bit in an extricate or something like that but beyond right. that yeah it's just yeah. Like straight deep yeah. and you want to call it primitive but like you said like that almost sounds like a negative but i mean there's something right. so perfect about that and i think that's why i think he gravitated towards those bands uh well i don't know i don't know if that's true or not because he was listening to a lot of different styles of music and stuff but i think you know yeah. i just think of the bands that i I think he one of the bands he loved was the monks and if you want to talk about like a very primitive like yeah. you can't dance that music but it's very just like pounding jarring stuff you know totally. yeah <laughs> yeah things like the seeds and stuff but you're right he also liked like vandergraaf generator which i think is fascinating <laughs> yeah. and that's, you know i think that's something he has in common with john john lyden obviously who he was compared mm -hmm. to early on it's like john lyden was this like icon of punk like still is but he was like he he loved prog which i always thought was so cool and i think yeah. that you know marky smith is sort of like that too like he'll surprise you with the things that he likes um in that excavate book i wish i could remember but he was talking about some chart topping like uk hit singles that he really liked and i was like yeah. thought that was kind of cool i yeah. can't remember which ones they are but well like later on i think he really loves like a tallow disco and you know what I mean? Like, right. he, like that European disco, that's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so oh, yeah. like so the high energy, you know, I, I mean, exactly. That makes, it makes a lot of sense actually. <laughs> but thing, yeah. Uh, and I think this is, Oh, sorry. Hit it higher. Uh, Go for it. I, I was just going to say like, this is, that's probably like the fifth time we've mentioned Vandergraaf generator and, and Mark <laughs> liking them on this podcast yeah. over the years. So yeah, it's, it's always kind of like, amazing to me whenever i think about it it's like total yeah. opposite so although you know the dude who wrote the lyrics for vandergraaf was uh well usually pretty good i guess like it's I, feel like pretty peter, interesting. Peter hamill, I feel like peter hamill has has something in common with marky smith in the sense that he's a very commanding front man like yeah there's that too you like i mean i feel like if he walked into the room with us right now there'd be like a weird hush there'd be like that guy is somebody <laughs> you know and like even marky smith this little mancunian like like drunk basically like we'd yeah. all be like oh my god look it's marky smith like he just has this aura i hate using that word but and i feel like peter hamill had a similar like i was born to front a band and command right. attention and maybe that's the one link but you know yeah they could i think, have I think you're onto something i think you're onto something yeah. But I was just thinking, like you're talking about this idea of, of the fall, like all the records you could dance to them. But I was just thinking to myself, has there ever been any footage or anybody talking about Marky Smith actually dancing? 
Like you see him going to a disco, but it's like hiding in a corner and getting drunk and, you know, smoking a yeah. lot of cigarettes and, you know, and just enjoying the music, but, you know, wouldn't go anywhere near the dance floor. But I wonder if it's like one day he got off his nut and was just like, you know, just going for it to some Odyssey song or something. No, you're right. He's he's definitely like the wallflower type. You definitely yeah. can't see him like cutting a rug. More likely to throw a punch, like we said earlier. Yeah. 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 Well, to that or end, makes... I just. Oh, I was just going to say, or make fun of the dancers. Sorry, Bob. Go right. ahead. Yeah, no, you're fine. Well, that leads to uh, a question I'd like to ask all of our guests about: how, Did you see? Have you? Did you have a chance to see the fall live when you were? I never when... saw the fall live. Um, I was living in New York in the '90s, and I always missed my favorite bands. I never saw Royal Trucks either, who were oh. like the fall, had a reputation for being. Di- a catastrophe on stage like it could go either way it could change your life or it could be like you'd want your money back and the fall right. were another one of those bands i was supposed to go to the famous new york show i don't know if it was the knitting factory or was brownies wasn't it brownies where there was the big yeah. big dust up on stage and i missed that show but yeah i never somehow never never saw fugazi never saw the fall never saw real like I, i'm just the guy that misses all the bands that were important <laughs> to me somehow well i'm sure you've got some I'm sure you get some bragworthy shows under your belt. Though. Yeah, I guess we all we all do, but yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you doing anything musically right now, James? Yeah, I'm, I'm always juggling a few things. Um, I put out a record last year on Kill Rock Stars uh, under the name James and the Giants. Um, oh. Working on another one maybe this year for maybe next year release. I'm not sure. I have a, a band called 111 Heavy. Um, we've been together about five years. We're working on our fourth record, doing a european tour in june july and i'm always working on stuff at home uh always records coming out in small quantities you know uh yeah work is is happiness for me i just gotta constantly be doing stuff so yeah never stop (laughs) can't explain the gap on the resume (laughs) (laughs) so are you guys going to do the entire is the goal to do the entire discography Sure. Eventually. Why not? Yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> as, long as, as long as we still have our voices, I think we should do it, right? Yeah. We should well, probably speed up the whole situation at some point yeah, if we're going to do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> still waiting to get back together to re record our Ralph Rumble episode that got destroyed somehow. So, yeah. Yeah. It's well, been like three or four months since we've done one just because yeah. we've both had really it oh, going wow. on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just been like, oh, man. Glad, so yeah, glad you said yes, and we should. Uh, we were oh, like, I was. Oh, yeah. I was very happy to be asked. And, and um, do you guys have? I don't want to keep you all day, but like, do you guys have a favorite fall record? Oh, that's a good question. I have a favorite period, probably more than a favorite yeah. fall record for me. What would the, what would the period be? Uh, just that period where, uh, like, hex to you know the rest of. Uh, Damn it. Like up to Ben Sinister? Like yeah, that. I would say like Ben Sinister probably. Maybe just because Extra Kate is always, the, as we've said also a hundred times, uh, my first album. And I just remember listening to it and yeah. thinking, this is totally not what I wanted like, to the fall yeah. to sound like, but then growing <laughs> into it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would say like that period. Um, all the way back to probably Graham, I would say. So like the... Yeah third album up to yeah, grotesque is grotesque got me that was one of the first ones that really got me but yeah. what about, what, what's your what's your favorite period or 
it, I, I, yeah, period, I think it's like that, that strange sort of uh, towards the end of the BRICS era. I think they were doing like Curious Orange and they're doing the work That's with right. Michael Clark and the stage stuff, like around that period yeah. is what I really, really love. And, and like Hiram, like, uh, you know, Extra Kate was my entry point, though the first song I ever heard was Eat Yourself Bitter, uh, which that's on Perverted by Language, right? Perverted by Language. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, my brother played that for me, and I was like, this is incredible. And then, like, I think Extra Kate came out like a few weeks later. I was like, great, I'm going to get this, and it's going to be like that. And whoa, this is nothing like that. But I'm kind of stuff I was listening to at the time really dovetailed in. So, but, but yeah, that, that Curious Orange, I think it's like the one I've been listening to a lot lately. So I'll just say that one for now. Yeah. I love Perverted by Language. Like the early bricks, I like, like, Heard by language is such a strange record too. Like you have yeah. a hotel bill and you have eat yourself. Fit. It's like, it covers so much ground and it's, it's getting poppy, but it's not quite poppy. I think that's right. a great. And this nation saving grace is another one of my kind of favorites that right. I don't hear people uh, talking of, but that was also my first, that was my extra cake. Cause that was the first one I heard in full. And I was like, Oh, this is like my new favorite band, you know? Uh, okay. Yeah. I think, I think uh, perverted is the one that we've covered the most. So far. yeah, I think that's seems right. like, yeah. If that, yeah, yeah, I, I do love perverted by language quite a bit. So. Yeah, well, keep me posted. I want to, I want to catch up, and and I mean, you guys have a lot of episodes. On these, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah we I know. but it's great. It's a, it's a really great. Like I said, I was I had a, like a wish list of ten songs, and you guys had covered them already. So I thought that was a good sign. I was like, oh, cool. Like all these are now I have to listen to all these. So I will. <laughs> right on, <laughs> right on, man. Well, yeah. Thanks very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's fun. Wow. Oh, wow.